The power of computers. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of True North Nerds. Uh, my name is Brent Chittenden. You probably knew that if you came to this episode. I'm a regular columnist with a uh, website called Geekard, uh, www.geekardshow.com. And I'm on Twitter, and I do convention panels, and all sorts of nerdy stuff like that. So, um, I used to do a podcast called Two Assholes Talking About Nerd Stuff. Um, just due to lives and moves and everything, that show ended up ending. And I've been itching to do a podcast since. And in the meantime, uh, where um, my uh, lovely wife and I moved to, we uh, ended up doing pub nights with a bunch of friends of ours who are also big nerds. So, after a few discussions, uh, it came together, a bunch of us wanted to do a show together. So this is the first episode. This is just going to be a short one introducing everybody who you're going to hear on a regular basis. There are going to be other people who will pop in and out throughout the episodes. And um, every second episode or so of the show is going to be directly about Star Trek. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, I wanted to introduce the various members of the panel So first, we'll start off with Kevin. Kevin is an actor and theme park enthusiast that I've known for a couple years now. Hello, Kevin. Hey there, Brent. So, um, as I, I figured to give our, us a little bit of uh, nerd cred, uh, let's start off with what's your first nerdy memory that you can <laughs> remember, a book or a, okay. a show so or movie? I'm probably the oldest of the group here today, so um, we're, going, we're going way back to the 1970s. Um, I always had a stack of comics... Uh, stashed away in the cupboard, and I do remember a coverless issue of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, so that was where my love of superheroes started. Was I don't even know where that comic came from. Um, uh, I remember being a little kid on the playground and playing superheroes. And when I said I wanted to be Monel, all the other kids looked at me like I don't know who the f <laughs> that is. So um, uh, that that's how deep my nerdery goes. I, I used to love Battle of the Planets when I was a kid. That was Ooh, my all-time favorite cut, show. And, uh, um, you know, in more recent uh, years, uh, I've discovered that Star Trek is my, my top fandom, followed very closely by Doctor Who and the various superhero franchises. Yeah, um, I remember Battle of the Planets. It's just I think it just sort of was in repeats it though, was, by the time I saw it. Yeah, it, it aired because Star Wars was a huge hit in 77, and it was a an American bastardization of a Japanese show that was loved for, for years and years. And uh, we used to play G-Force on the playground um, in elementary school, and uh, everybody fought to be Jason because he was the coolest. Is Jason the one in white? No, Jason was in black, and he had a race car. Oh. <laughs> he was the bad boy of the team. Girls dig the car. Yeah. So. They Girls dig the bad boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he apparently was all of the above. He was. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to, the, uh, to our next panelist, Ryan is a graphic designer, and I don't know how long I've known you now. A couple of years. Well, at least six. 
Yeah, it sounds about before right. Before I moved to town, and I just renewed my mortgage, so... Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that makes six years, I'd say. It's least. amazing how you can sort of landmark stuff like oh, yeah. all decisions you know, at yeah, this point. Five-year you know, five chunks. Mortgage renewal, car payments. They all fit in there somewhere. So uh, what's your uh, first nerdy memory, Ryan? Oh, my first nerdy memory. Well, I can remember loving to watch my Saturday morning cartoons. You know, all T-Man... Ninja Turtles, well, in the later years, but you know, I grew up watching. You know, went from He Man to Ninja Turtles and Transformers. GI Joe was in there somewhere too. You know, I had to have all the toys, but I never got all the toys. But I was now wanting. trying to make up for that fact as an adult. Yeah, and my <laughs> office is proof of that. You know, too much, too many awesome toys and not enough space for them all. We're just as bad. Oh, I know. <laughs> I think we've helped to feed each other's uh, obsessions. Yeah. My collection wasn't near as you know large until I started hanging out with uh, yourself and another one of our friends. I blame Ed. Oh, it's all it's Ed's fault. We're gonna drop his name. It's all Ed's fault. I got into collecting the three and three quarter inch figures just because Ed was getting three and three quarter inch figures and they looked really cool. And mm-hmm. so I so I fell in down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's too bad those figures have uh, really, Oh, they've really fallen off. Yeah, now, now they don't have the articulation. I don't. I, I bought the chameleon because it was on sale for five bucks. Yeah, but. same here. But then, well, now everything. Don't they get the awesome figures or six inch figures? You got Star Wars Black Series. You got Marvel Legends. Mm. You know, DC is lagging behind, but they had good ones for a while. Now, yeah, but DC is also starting to catch up too with that that multiverse line that they've been doing. That one's pretty decent. And those it's... Batman animated figures. I'm glad I haven't fallen down that rabbit hole because that's a lot of money to throw yeah. down a hole. But, but that Batmobile that came out. Yeah, and now and there's a Batplane bat coming oh, out yeah. too. So, yeah. We, uh, I'm so glad I never fell down that route. Oh, yeah. Stay out of <laughs> yes. it as long as possible. If you cannot a get lot of money in... still in my pocket. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, and it can get far worse. Like, and, I, I know a guy who collects hot toys. Oh, which yeah. Are, no. for, uh, they're beautiful. They're the, they're what, 12-inch, give or take? Give they're, or take, They're like yeah. bar, Barbie doll size. And they start at, like... Like a hundred, hundred and fifty, yeah, cheap ones. Yeah, and like there's some of them that are like three, three fifty. Oh, but you'd almost swear they're like miniature life, you know, miniature, you know, life size versions. But that's not right because <laughs> they're miniature. But you'd swear that someone just took the person and shrank the, them, and the they live on your shelf. On them is just tends to be really good. And the last person in our panel, last but not least, uh, my lovely wife Jen. Hello. Hi, Jen. Hi, Brent. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Like, we haven't seen each other for the last three hours. <laughs> it's the first time they've talked all day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Jen, what's the first nerdy memory you can think of? Your well, first, uh, was yeah. it meeting Brent? <laughs> no, no, I was well, a was nerd. Just... <laughs> I was a nerd far before I met Brent. Um, for me, I think it's always been more fantasy than the traditional superheroes and sci-fi, though I do love both of those. Um, I remember watching my brother playing Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games. I love the Final Fantasy games. Uh, I had to watch my brother play it because he wouldn't let me play it. Mm. Um, my cousins uh, all had all the Star Wars toys, so I watched Star Wars and we played with the Star Wars toys. I've always been a big reader of fantasy, uh, starting with the Xanth series, Piers Anthony, classic fantasy. Mm-hmm. 
It's still going on, you know? I know, but they got bad after book four, I think, so <laughs> I don't think I've read one since the 80s. No, yeah, they're not great, but I, always, I love them. <laughs> I always mix Pierce Anthony up, like, I don't know why, name-wise, with the, the, an author I mentioned earlier, Alan Dean Foster. I don't know why I always get the, the, the two book series, I guess, mixed up, because Alan Dean Foster did the Spellsinger books. Yeah, I haven't read those. No, me neither. No. But, um, yeah. So I've watched all the Star Wars. Uh, I think all the boyfriends I've ever had have been Star Wars fans, so Brent had that going for him. <laughs> and you had met Neil Gaiman. Oh, yes. We had talked about that on our very first date, and both of us had met Neil. I love Neil Gaiman. Nice I love Neil Gaiman. I read his, uh, his Sandman series, first of all, and then after that... Um, I realized he also did novels, and I read American Gods, mm. and I fell down that rabbit hole, and I think I've now read everything he's written, except for Nancy Boys. For some reason, I haven't read that yet. Oh, we have that downstairs. I know, but I haven't <laughs> read it yet. Well, There's so a, many books in so little time. It's sort of a spinoff, but not really. It's kind of weird in how it exists with American Gods. It's not really a sequel by any... Yeah, stretch. I just think that that character in American Gods didn't really captivate me, so I didn't feel the need to read the sequel. But I guess I should, just so that I can say that I've read all of it. I feel a little bad every time I look at that book, because that was a remainder book I got. So it means the author probably made no money off that particular copy. I think Neil Gaiman has made a lot of money off of the two of us. I, I don't yes. think you need to feel guilty about that. <laughs> yeah. How long did you wait in line to get your autographed copy, your copy of American Gods signed? I want to say three hours, maybe four. <laughs> okay, I thought, it was, um, I, thought I actually to, thought it was longer than that. Uh, to be fair to Neil, um, this was years ago. Well, it was when American Gods came out. Okay, and it was one of the. I think Jen, the tour you saw him on was his last book signing tour. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what. Oh no, that was for the graveyard book. Uh, yeah, but wasn't that? I think that's the last signing tour he was doing. Period. Mm. Like, it, I think he'll do spots here and there book signings for independent bookstores like on a whim kind of thing but i don't think he's gotten to the point where well when you saw him it was at what harbor front wow. no it was um hummingbird center the uh, hummingbird, hummingbird center. center yeah so like yeah um for the the non-canadian <laughs> listeners toronto it's uh hummingbird is it's close to Union Station. Yeah, but that's uh, that's where the Toronto Symphony is, right? No, that's uh, Roy Thompson Hall. Oh, Roy Thompson Hall. The upside down. Oh, okay. Hummingbird. Okay. Hummingbird's I think the, it used to be the O'Keefe. It's yeah, where it we it's saw still, Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It started as the O'Keefe Center. It's about a twelve hundred or fifteen hundred seat auditorium. Yeah, and he read um, the Blueberry Girl, his mm. his children's book, and I was there with my friend, and we were both crying. And this was before my friend had had her ch had had a child, and so we promised each other that if we had girls, we would buy each other the Blueberry Girl. Then she had a boy, but I bought the Blueberry Girl for my sister who had a girl. <laughs> I saw Neil Gaiman do a reading. Uh, it's got to be almost twenty years ago now at the Bathurst Street Theater. Yeah, it was a fundraiser for the Comic Book Legal, Legal Defense, Defense Fund. Fund. 
And I remember the story he read was from one of his early short story collections, the Snow White story. I think it's called Snow White. White Blood, Blood Red. Mm. Yeah. That story is so good. I could listen to him read the phone book. He has the best voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing with him, and I don't blame him, is the reason why he doesn't do book tours anymore is that it's just, it's so massive a line. <clears throat> That he like it's unwieldy. Like yeah. there, there's no even when you do like a ticket thing like Hummingbird Center, that's still like a number of hours he's got to sit there and, mm-hmm. and sign books and stuff like that. So um, when when I saw him, it was starting to get to that point, and he he apologized because his flight was late. That's part of the reason I waited so long. His flight uh. didn't come in on time. And then there, there was traffic on the 401. Surprise! surprise. So, yeah, surprise! <laughs> surprise on that one. Um, but to be fair, I think he pretty much stayed until everybody was done. Mm-hmm. Like they capped off the line, but he didn't let anybody not, like, and he talked to everybody. So what you went to was just a signing, a book signing. Yeah, it was just a book signing. Um, he uh, it, he was very very nice. I was like third person in line. Oh, nice. Um, I had with me, uh, you had to get a copy of American Gods in order mm-hmm. to qualify for the signing, but that was fine. Um, I had that, uh, I think it was limited four autographs or something like that, so I had that. I had uh, two books of Sandman, I think the first one, and Seasons of Mist, because Seasons of Mist is my favorite storyline, and I've slowly been collecting everybody who ever worked on that storyline because it had multiple nice. artists on it and uh and a uh how to write comic book book that uh titan books published at the time it was only available in the uk or through special order and the comic shop i worked at got it by accident <laughs> and gave it to me as like a christmas present and I had been slowly collecting the the writers who had contributed to that book because it's a series of interviews on comic book writing, slowly collecting their autographs on the book. And at the time, Neil hadn't seen a copy of it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I didn't know this was out. And he started flipping through it and reading it a little bit. And he's like, oh, apparently Peter David beat me to this book because I had seen <laughs> Peter David, as I mentioned beforehand. But the thing that struck me about Neil is um, I was there with my girlfriend at the time who could care less about (laughs) Neil Gaiman, didn't have a clue who he was because she never got into comics. And he somehow registered that, looked over at her and like, so have you been waiting with him this entire time? And she's like, yeah, yeah, the entire time. And uh, he's like, you have no idea who I am. (laughs) (laughs) And to which she's like, no. (laughs) But he's a pretty cool guy. I I wish he would do sporadic signings here and there, but just so I could get the rest of Sandman signed. But (laughs) that's just me. So, um... Kevin, uh, you said you're a big Legion of Superheroes fan, which uh, those of us who know you know that. Yeah. But is, is there anything about Legion that has stuck with you? Because you've followed it up pretty much until the, the last couple revamps. I right? did, yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I think maybe, you know, it was one of the first DC series that really 
that really embraced its fans and that storylines were influenced by its fans. And there were just so many characters. I was the kid who's like, I don't want to buy a Batman comic. There's just one superhero in it. But if I have an entire legion of mm. superheroes, then I'm getting more for my money. And there were like 30 characters in that book. So and I just, I liked the tone of it. I liked the future setting. You know, it, I think that's why I like Star Trek so much. I was going to say, because you can draw parallels yeah, between the two. The United Federation of Planets and the United yeah. Planets and, you know, people from all these different planets coming together to help save the galaxy. Um, yeah, I, it's been... Uh, it, it's probably my, in the grand scheme of things, my favorite comic series. Um, I, I The last big con I went to, I bought a t-shirt with just the, the Legion L logo on it. And I was very excited when a friend of mine, who I didn't even know was into comics, recognized the symbol. I'm like, how did you know that? Nobody knows the Legion. <laughs> did you get the, the plastic flight ring that they, they put out a couple I years ago? I do have a flight ring somewhere, yeah. yeah. I think I have a Legion ring. I think it was whatever big DC crossover they were and doing I, at the time. I haven't watched last night's Supergirl yet, so I... Uh, oh, we're still on season one. So oh, no well, spoilers. there's a... The Legion is... Well, the, don't worry. You didn't learn anything about the Legion in no. last night's episode. Okay, Supergirl. but the Legion is coming. The Legion is coming. Whoa, my phone has decided. It Ooh. Sorry about that. I knew I that. I thought I turned it off. Eventually. I thought I had just turned Siri it off. Siri wants to make an appearance. No, that was Waze telling oh. me how to get here. <laughs> where to go. <laughs> Your phone's telling you where to go. <laughs> Not the first time. So, um, as, as we're recording this, it's also that we're close to a new Star Wars movie coming out. And uh, the the end of the the Darth Vader comic book series, which I'm sad about in some yes. ways, because that comic is so good. Um, has everybody been following the, the Star Wars stuff? Is everybody excited? Because that's a, one of the things that I'm kind of wondering. I know I'm excited, but I, I don't know if it's an age gap thing that younger people don't seem to be as excited for this one as they were the last one. I've been picking up the singles. And reading along. I know you're doing the trade route. Yeah. and, and I'm not uh, reading the comics. Oh, you're missing out. I'm way behind. I'm sure I am. But I loved the last movie. I can't wait for Rogue One. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Is there not the buzz behind Rogue One that you thought there was going to be? I, I think it's maybe it's because like maybe they're they're not doing the huge promotional push that they they did last time. Like maybe they don't feel they need to. They're, I'm wondering if they're just holding off. It could be. And there was such pressure, you know. Yeah. It had been 14 years since the last Star Wars movie. Yeah, right? 14 years? I think so. Something oh like my that. Goodness. Plus, that one was continuing the, uh, the Skywalker yeah. story. The yeah. story that we all that. wanted to so, see in the first So, place. you know, it was... When you get right down to it, it's a sequel to a movie that came out in 1983. So, it was a, you know, 32-year gap between Return of the Jedi yeah. and Episode Seven. Uh and the, and the pressure was on. I think Disney knows they've got they've caught fire again, and mm. uh, they don't need to market it. People will come. Yeah. People will come. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know if they've gotten across that it, this is not a sequel to Episode Seven. That I'm wondering too. But I, it's a, the good thing, bad thing is all my friends are around my age. But mm -hmm. I don't really have many friends who are too too much younger. Or young enough where that would make a difference mm -hmm. at this point. Um, it's, I think the biggest thing I noticed, like as as a toy collector, um, last year was Force Friday, 
where yes. they were, but it was a big, big thing for like Toys R Us's were opening at midnight, and the, the Disney store had all this exclusive stuff, which, which all that stuff still is there. It just doesn't seem to have much as much hoopla surrounding it. Like, and it came out like a month later. A month later than it did, than it did last year. Yeah. And, and it's it's only been a year since the last Star Wars movie too. That's true. I, I think I'm they're probably saving their big ramp ups for the the um, episode eight. Yeah, seven, eight, nine mm. movies as opposed to these little filler ones. But I think they're just doing the filler ones so that they can keep the momentum going. Especially I think, since I think seven, eight, and nine. Well, eight and nine at this point are the ones that will go late. Like yeah. it, there's a chance those ones might get delayed. I hope not. And mm. I know Disney hopes not. But the, well, they already pushed eight from May to, yeah, de- to or, next December. To hopefully keep... that writes the, the the scheduling shift. Yeah. Well, I, I think they've got. I mean, they know their audience, and they know they've got what three Marvel movies a year. So if if you're doing Marvel in fe- February, May, and October or November. Then make December your Star Wars month. I mean, they want to make Star Wars into as big a shared universe as their Marvel films yeah. are. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Christmas time, sell toys. That's their peak time to hit parents. To you know. Exactly. And Star Wars has always been a family film franchise, too. I mean, mm. despite the fact it's got the word war in the title... I've never you, you never feel bad about taking a kid to see a Star Wars movie. So there's well, depending on the age. Yeah. <laughs> and I got. And, I Go bought ahead. my niece a Princess Leia book for her sixth birthday mm-hmm. called I Am a Princess. It's one of the golden books. Mm-hmm. And I read it to her three times. This is my way of getting her into the Star Wars universe because she'll find the movies too scary still. Mm. So I think that if she just reads about them, maybe she'll watch it. And eventually I'll be able to sit her down and we'll watch all of them. And it will be awesome. But on the, <laughs> on the kid's side, there's Star Wars Rebels, Rebels. Oh. which is... I oh, love oh, Rebels. So, so I'm so behind on that. I better catch up if I want to be on this podcast. Plug your yes. ears. How far behind are you right now? I've only watched season one. Plug your Whoa, ears. <laughs> season two is so good. I will catch up by the next time we do this. I, I've been repeatedly saying to people that the, the best thing about this new Star Wars push in the last couple of years is Rebels. It's the best Star Wars thing that's out there with the exception of maybe the Vader comic. Yeah, like it's really growing the mythology and everything behind. You know, mm-hmm. We're learning how certain characters join the Rebel Alliance. We're learning stuff about the Force. It's tying them all together. It's tying the old movies to the, to the Clone Wars to the newer old movies. <laughs> <laughs> the original movies. Yes. Well, Clone Wars did a really good job of making the, the prequels half decent. Yeah. <laughs> it filled in all the story gaps. I, I just can't get over the end. I really dislike the animation for the Clone you Wars. You might be okay with the later seasons. We should try that one of these yeah. seasons. Yeah, the, the later I really, seasons, it gets a little bit more that, towards where it is in Rebels. And that first season of, of Clone Wars is, is rough to watch. Yeah, I really I've tried, want I've to. tried and I can't, I can't get into Clone oh, Wars. thank you. I'm not the, the only season. one. <laughs> the last two, if if you want to connect it with Rebels, the last two were especially that last Netflix only season are mm-hmm. the only ones you really need yeah. to see because mm-hmm. it's got all the characters in it. Like it it has uh, Rex and Ahsoka and stuff like that. So and those are the episodes that are closest to Episode Three, so tying right. into the movies. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
So uh, we come to the, uh, the towards the end of uh, this first inaugural episode. Hopefully, you guys who are listening to this one will uh, stay tuned. Uh, the next episode, if all goes as planned, is going to be the first installment of Great Trexpectations, where the four of us will uh, sit down and watch an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and then come back and talk about it, what we liked, what we didn't like, how the title made no sense with the actual show, and uh, it will also feature a little segment that I, I'm just going to uh, sort of uh, hint at here, especially for the listeners of Geek Hard, a little segment called Ask Alex that I bug uh, former Nerds with Guitars uh, guitarist Alex on all of our Star Trek questions via Facebook and, and Twitter, and he will answer them because he's the biggest Star Trek nerd I know. It should be a lot of fun. <laughs> so to, uh, to close out, um, we're, I'm just going to go around the table and everybody can throw out a geeky suggestion of something somebody should see, read, or uh, play if you're into video games, things of that nature. They can be new, old, or whatever. Let's start with Kevin. Okay, so as these guys know, uh, but I guess nobody else knows, is... I made a giant, giant nerd list. <laughs> when I say giant, there are over 10,000 uh, items on this list to watch, and I have been watching them in chronological order. <laughs> uh, so I am in the 1960s right now, watching shows from 1968. And uh, seeing as we're coming up to the Halloween season, uh, a movie that just came up on my list uh, that I watched on the weekend is very appropriate. And I don't know if you guys have all seen Rosemary's Baby. 1968 oh, with Mia Farrow. Farrow. It is fantastic. I don't like horror movies. I am not a horror guy. Mm. But this is a psychological thriller about a woman who has a baby who's who wants to get pregnant and she... Um, she has a feeling that something is not right with her child and that the neighbors next door who are very, very enthused about her pregnancy are a little too close to what's going on. And she discovers a conspiracy that may involve witches. And uh, it, it sounds... It, it's really good. It's Roman Polanski directed it. Mia Farrow is the star. Uh, and uh, so if you're looking for a good, tense, horror thriller that's not too gory... I will recommend Rosemary's Baby. Ryan, your pick. Oh, well, I was going to come in here and tell everybody to read Invincible. It's coming up to an end. Uh, it's written by Robert Kirkman that everybody knows wrote The Walking Dead, and everybody loves The Walking Dead. Well, this is his superhero comic. It's very adult-oriented, you know, so well, it has adult situations, we'll say. <laughs> um, it's not as gory as The Walking Dead, but it does have its moments. Um, it's going to be coming up to an end with issue 144, so I think it's got like a year worth of issues Well, yet. depending on when people actually listen to the show, too. So. Well, there you go. There's a timestamp for the one that we were doing this. Yeah, it's okay. But, uh, you know, it's, it's available in single issues, trades, compendiums. Um, but personally, I got a Roomba today, and, and I love my Roomba. <laughs> I've never been excited to vacuum my house as I was today when I when my Roomba was charged and I pressed the button and I watched my little robot go around my my house and start vacuuming my my rugs, and so now I think I you know I was telling you guys earlier before we start I think I'm gonna buy R two D two stickers, so I can have my own droid to clean my, up after me. 
Oh, that's going to be hard to top. Jen? I love that you're plugging a vacuum. <laughs> hey, if they want to eventually send me another one. Or sponsor the show. Who makes Roombas? I would like Roomba a Roomba. Does. Yes, we would definitely like a Roomba. Send Roomba. Us three Roombas. I robot something or other is yeah, the company. Yeah, uh, Roomba, if you're if, if you're listening, I have Roombas. I have two cats and they shed a lot. And I would love a Roomba to clean up after them. But that that's not what I'm plugging cuz that's what Ryan plugged. Uh, I'm plugging Squirrel Girl because I was never big into superheroes and not in big into superhero comics until I met Brent. And I love the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I just finished reading Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe. And it's so good. It's fantastic. She's the best Marvel superhero ever, and I will argue that with anybody. That could be a whole episode. <laughs> The thing about Squirrel Girl is you actually have to read it twice because of the footnote commentary yes. they put at the, the bottom of it. Because I find, for me, I find it distracting reading that commentary while reading each page. So I, I kind of go back a second time and just read those bits at the bottom. But the reason I like Squirrel Girl so much is that she's a superhero. She has super strength and super agility. And a big poofy tail. And a big poofy tail. But she also, she solves most of the conflicts that she has with talking so she she only really fights the enemies to get them to the point where they are defeated to sit and talk to her and then she solves their problems that way as opposed to just beating them up and throwing them in jail and i really like that about her uh the arc where she was dating quote unquote dating mole man killed me <laughs> it was so funny so please read squirrel girl <laughs> I, I gotta agree. That's a good pick. Um, for me, uh, it's I have to go with a movie that has been uh, it, weirdly it's been completely overlooked. And given the Halloween theme, I, I write about it more in depth at Geek Hard. But uh, it's a movie called Green Room that has Anton Yelchin and Patrick Stewart in it. Uh, I've watched it for a second time this week, and it's just. Such a phenomenal, suspenseful horror movie about a punk band that ends up playing a white supremacist club and then witnesses a murder and they're stuck in the, the, the green room of the club and the leader of the neo-Nazis is Patrick Stewart in what is probably the best performance of his career so far. And it's just brutal and good. And people should see it because... It, for me, it's a lot like The Crow, where uh, The Crow was a good, a good solid movie, and it kind of hinted at what Brandon Lee could have been capable of had he lived beyond that film, doing other parts in a, a wider range. And it's the same with Anton Yelchin. Unfortunately, he passed away shortly after uh, that movie got released, and it was sort of clouded over between his death and between the new Star Trek movie coming out, Green Room just sort of disappeared. And it should be, if anybody was wondering how good that kid could be as an actor, that is a prime example to go watch. So that brings us to the end of the show. Yay! Yay! Uh, so uh, next episode, which I'm probably going to upload both both one and two at the same time, so feel free to go right to the next episode. It's uh, the, the first installment of Great Trek Expectations, where we watch the very first episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
So uh, come back and listen to us and uh, hope Brent. Oh, yes. I have just created the True North Nerds Facebook group. Oh. Yay! <laughs> so if anyone wants to get in touch with us, um, you'll have to search for us. It's a secret. It's a it's a closed group. Just uh, search for us, and one of us will let you into the group. So there you go. That'll be a way to, to keep track of us. Until uh, next time, uh, have a good one. <laughs> we'll have to come up with a better sign-off Please. phrase. been listening to the true north nerds recorded at the utility cupcake research kitchen reach the nerds on twitter at true north nerds on facebook under surprise true north nerds and you can reach them by email at true north nerds at gmail.com if you like the opening theme song it's called set your phasers to sexy by kirby crackle from the album sounds like you Please go to KirbyCrackleMusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it.